Hi, this is JD, and you're listening to Chimera Cast, a story gaming actual play podcast. Today, we're playing Trophy Gold by Jesse Ross, continuing the seaside we played before called Hester's Mill. And we're very excited that Jason Cordova of The Gauntlet has returned to our podcast to run the game again for us. Jason is running us through an incursion called the Rhyme Palace by Cloven Pine Games. If you like what we do, we would love your support on Patreon or by buying a shirt or a sticker from us. And you can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter. For more information on anything I just mentioned, links can be found in the show notes of this episode. Thank you so much and enjoy the Rhyme Palace. So last time, the characters went to this place in the frozen north, chasing rumors about a fabled palace, a frozen palace called the Rhyme Palace. That's R-I-M-E as a reminder. And they encountered large piles of bones in the place where they believed either the palace was going to be or the way of getting to the palace. Now, what they'd heard was there was a a legendary ship that was somehow going to take them to the palace. And they eventually found that ship. And we'll talk about that in a moment, but not before saving a markswoman named Editha, who had been attacked by these terrible ape-like creatures that we're calling Snokies. <laughs> and you rescued uh, her. You had to fight some Snokies. And eventually you managed to uncover the ship, this legendary bone ship called Ardken. And it turns out that the way you operate Ardken, according to a disconnected voice that spoke to you, is you speak a loud and uncomfortable truth about yourself. And we heard some of those things. Um, from Aditha, you heard that she kind of sacrificed her husband to save herself from the Snokies, but it worked. And the ship set sail. Setting sail in this context means sort of floating away into the void. And you've been floating in this void, the gossamer void, a sort of silvery, sort of transdimensional space. You've been floating in it for, it feels like both minutes and months, right? So it's both. It's an unstuck place. The ship was being chased by a sort of astral titan, a sort of horrible creature. You managed to escape that. But in the doing, you managed to call forth some some spirits of soldiers who were left behind on the battlefield by one of our characters. That would be Sergeant Bruno Illisic. And those ghosts did their job by chasing away the titan. But... One of those ghosts stayed on the ship, and the last thing we saw was it basically standing there covered in blood as if it just came from the battlefield, and 
condemning Bruno, basically calling Bruno out for being a traitor. So before we continue, did I miss anything in the recap there? I just want to remind that Bruno is no longer a yeah, sergeant. Just Bruno Elicit. Ah, yes. Thank you. Yeah, that's right. You had to give that up. And and who demoted you? We don't know. Maybe just the cosmos, yeah. maybe. Or maybe this army did, but we'll, we'll figure it out. Um, good. Thank you for that. Anything else? I don't think so. No. I think was the... No, I think you hit all the beats that yeah. I remember. In that case, I just want to go ahead and go over to um, a little bit of housekeeping then. If you scroll down to your on your character sheet, there's a block that starts with gold and then hunt tokens and then ruin and then conditions and then burdens. I want to just know all those things, um, mostly for the listener's benefit. Um, and I'll remind you that your characters are retired from play if you don't meet your um, your burdens in gold by the end of this. Um, so let's just start with Zabatu. Zabatu has one gold two hunt tokens three ruin no conditions and so three burdens thank you Sabatu. bruno bruno has zero gold one hunt token five ruin and the condition scarred hand and three burdens five ruin is rough for this early in the game um yeah (laughs) your companions might need to figure out a way of trying to uh help you out a little bit here Lord Dion <laughs> Devonos. Lord Dion has zero gold. Wait, you took that Snoky paw, right? So that doesn't doesn't that count as having one gold? Oh, I do. Oh, sorry. We need to update my gold. That can stay in the found equipment for now. The, the okay. gold cool. number is mostly like coinage. Lord Dion has zero gold, one hunt token, two ruin, no conditions, and three burdens. Fantastic. And Ezio. Ezio has zero gold, but I do have a wedding ring that I harvested from Aditha's husband. I have no hunt tokens, three ruin, and three burdens. And that's a great reminder for listeners of the podcast. Um, Treasure is tracked separately from the gold. Gold is like uh, the amount of coinage on the character sheet, but you can also have found equipment that you can cash in later for the same gold amount. So some of these these characters do have treasures. Um, equal to gold. I'm going to go ahead and yeah reduce my gold by one because I think that's what I had that from, actually. Uh, okay. <laughs> no the reason why you keep them separate in the beginning is in case you want to use actually use them as items, right? Yeah. So. That makes sense. Fantastic. Bruno, if it's okay with you, I think I'd like to skip ahead past that sort of accusatory scene with that soldier. That soldier's by no means out of the picture yet, but I think I just want to kind of move on from it for now. Yeah. And then maybe he'll show up um, at some point later. Yeah, absolutely. The set that we're in is called the Gossamer Void. And we sort of role played a little bit of it earlier, but I didn't really talk about the set details yet. The set goal of the Gossamer Void is this safely dock the bone ship and enter the palace. You have been traveling through the Gossamer Void, floating through the Gossamer Void for an indeterminate amount of time. And something I think is really interesting about all of this is that I think that you all during this time, like frequently just kind of float in and out of each other's consciousness, conscious night. Like, I don't think that you are always, like, aware of each other, necessarily. Um, like, I think there was a scene with, like, Ezio and Aditha, or maybe Lord Dion and Aditha, but... It was Lord Dion. Aditha was kind of like, you're not even here, and then he wasn't, you know? It was that kind of thing. So it's, it's, a, it's been a strange journey, but 
you do eventually see what must be the the palace, the Rhine Palace. It is an elegant marble, possibly ice edifice that hangs over the void like a collection of stalactites. The gleaming exterior of the palace reflects the light from the stars below and from odd, sort of faintly glowing clouds that float lazily around. But you have to imagine that the towers are, that they hang down, right, uh, rather than going up. And Ardkin, the bone ship, sort of just knows to circle, right? And it is circling it for a time. You get like a good view all around the palace from a distance. And you see a few things that I'll point out. The first thing that you see is a grand balcony. Maybe the most obvious place to land the ship because it's so big. But it looks like a massive balcony sort of jutting out from the palace's side. And there's a ring of thin standing slabs of marble sort of around the balcony's edge. Like a strange abstract artwork. As it continues to circle, you'll see a bridge made of horn. There are two towers that are connected by a bridge of tangled antlers, seemingly unguarded, save for a group of blue-gray moths flitting about it. And then the third thing you see, the third option for landing, is what appears to be a wall of lace. There's a place where the marble of the palace's walls gives way to what appears to be like lace, A green-violet glow can be faintly glimpsed through the gaps of the lace, but that wall of lace does lead up to a parapet, so it could perhaps be climbed. So you have kind of three options here. This grand balcony, this bridge of horn, and this wall of lace. I think I just want to pick up with everybody here, maybe just having a scene on the deck of the ship. As we talked about last time, you do have some control over the ship, but yeah, let's just have that scene. So when we talked last about... Ezio, in particular, was the person who realized that they had some control over the ship by moving his hands. And at first, Ezio was timid with it, moving only like a pinky or something. By this point now, he is full bore conducting the ship, making grand gestures and running to the fore and aft of the ship. I love it. It's great. What are you doing, Ezio? (laughs) I'm (sighs) staring. The ship. (sighs) I'm running in a circle as we do a slow drift around. The ship, as you pointed out, is doing this basically by its own knowledge, but Ezio thinks that he's in control of this specific motion as we begin circling the palace. (laughs) As you're running around in a circle, Zabatu is slowly turning, like pivoting in place and watching you. She cocks a dark eyebrow as you're (laughs) sweating profusely. Well, maybe you should guide us in closer rather than flooding about. We need to figure out where we can get in. There was a bridge, right? There's a balcony, a bridge, and a somewhat perilous, delicate lace wall. What, what about the, the bridge? The br- what about the bridge there? That seems like a good place to land. As good as any, I suppose. Why don't you take us down? Squire, not right now. As as Ezio is is motioning like a a puppeteer with a marionette trying to guide the ship down, it is unclear whether or not any of these hand motions are necessary, or if it's just him thinking about where we're going and he thinks this is part of it. <laughs> so, what are you choosing, Ezio? The the balcony, the bridge, or the wall? 
The bridge is where I'm trying to go. The, the bridge made of tangled antlers. I think that's great. I don't need a risk roll here. It's enough for me just to tell you, for you to tell me how you're doing it. I will tell you that as the ship approaches the bridge, that I described there were some sort of blue-gray moths flitting about it. As you get closer, you realize that cloud of moths is much bigger than you originally thought. And indeed, as you get closer, the moths are rising up from the void and from underneath the bridge, and they're landing on Ardkin. And so now Ardkin's bones, its great sort of ribcage structure, is starting to be covered by these like beautiful blue-gray moths. The problem is that the moths are starting to weigh the ship down, and you can feel it kind of like rocking perilously as the moths' weight begins to drag it down. And there's even more of them. They are starting to land on you. As they land on you, you become aware that their wings are razor sharp and there are cuts happening. And the cloud of moths is, is just getting thicker and thicker. I think I want to go around the table and find out what everyone's thinking about doing. And then maybe we'll figure out die rolls from there. I'll start with Zabatu. Zabatu is, at least for now, unconcerned about the state of the ship. I'm distracted, I think, by these moths. I want to try and capture one. That won't be any trouble at all. There's so many of them. Perfect. That's all, I think. Looking at this, obviously this is not a uh, a worldly moth, I assume. Uh, no, no, none of your world, no. Bruno, what about you? Bruno had his heavy coat off. And he was staring at where he felt something should be on the shoulders of his coat. But all there is is a like oddly pale patch of the like dark gray fabric uh, around like the more heavily weathered and stained sections. And he's trying to figure out like what was there or what he thinks should have been there. So I think Bruno, being a man of action, is just going to use his coat to beat the moths away from the ship and himself. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Lord Dion. When Lord Dion's fine silks begin to become shredded by the wings of these monsters, I will pull forth Heartpiercer, my sword, my blade, my guide, and begin swashing frivolously into the air, attempting to clip the wings of these small vagrants. Indeed, indeed. Meanwhile, <laughs> screaming at my shipwright. <laughs> I will also tell you that Editha is wildly firing off crossbow bolts <laughs> at them, <laughs> just doing nothing. Ezio, problem. The ship has now been weighed down enough to where it's not going to land on the antler bridge. It is flying directly into the antler bridge. What do you do? Feeling it it becoming weighted down, Ezio begins gesturing his hands up, trying to scoop at the air, futilely trying to bail these moths out of the out of the ship and hoping that this gesture and his concentration can buck the front of the ship up. I, I'll take it as a risk roll. I think what you're trying to do is fairly straightforward here. Everybody else, including myself, we get to speak about what we think could happen if you fail the die roll. What could go wrong? Whoever has an idea, speak. This might be kind of obvious, but that your your hands get shredded and you can't control the ship anymore? 
I would say you just crash right into the bridge. It's probably the obvious answer, but you just like shatter it. <laughs> you could instead careen into a nest of where these moths dwell. Oh, that's pretty good. Oh no, the mother moth. <laughs> I like that actually. I may go with that one. It's my choice ultimately, <laughs> but uh, Zach, any thoughts? Hmm. The ship does become a part of the bridge. Mm, yeah, I like that too. It's a it's a more poetic version of the one I said, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't expect less from Lord Dion, to be quite frank. <laughs> Let's talk about dice. Do you think you have a skill or a piece of equipment that could help you here, Ezio? When I was uh, dancing around the ship, I would have gone with acrobatics. But in this specific case, I'm not so sure. It's not super obvious... Uh, no, I don't have any skills that strike me. I'm, I'm not making a deal. Uh, security or surprise, no. Yeah, we could just go to Devil's Bargains, I think. So, we each get a chance to make an offer. Something that will happen no matter what, whether you fail or succeed. If you accept one of them, you get a light die. I really like JD's suggestion, I'm gonna make it a Devil's Bargain. No matter what, you encounter the, the mother moth, the the big dark souls version of the of the moths that's pretty tempting we're gonna need some we're gonna need some spicy suggestions to beat that i'm gonna pull another and steal ryan's um and say that no matter what your hands get shredded (laughs) i love the uh let's all steal each other's (laughs) previous suggestions for devil's markets that's exactly how to play trophy for real (laughs) i have one but it's a, a small alteration i guess no matter what your hand gets nicked and a single drop of blood falls upon the main board of the ship, awakening its heart. Oh, that's pretty cool, too. Bravo. That's, <laughs> that's cool. Ryan, do you have an offer? I was going to say that like these moths have some sort of pheromone, doesn't seem the right word, but the, the powdery stuff on the moth's wings, and it causes mm. almost icy petrification of the flesh. Mm. Oh, no. I don't want to get frozen. The one I think I'm going to go with, I have to go with meeting the mother moth. I'm I'm way too excited. Let's we can start out hot. That's a that's a hot start. Um, so you're going to roll dice. Two light, correct? Uh, it's only one light right now because you you didn't have a skill or piece of equipment. Oh no! So um, I'm not going to make you roll dark yet, though. You can just roll light for now. Just roll one. That's totally reasonable. That's a four. Four is a success with a complication. I think the complication is going to be that you're able to right the ship. You're able to even land it. But the complication is going to be that the entrance into the palace, the only one that you can actually enter, the mother moth is basically going to be hovering over it, like hanging above it. If you're okay with that, then that's good. If not, you can add a dark die and roll again. No, that's pretty much exactly what I wanted. So <laughs> let's good. do that. All right, sounds good to me. Go ahead and uh, give us some scene here. Describe how you safely land in this. And I'll remind you, it's a tangled mass of antlers, <laughs> basically, that make up this big bridge. Ezio starts trying to bail out the deck of the ship, and he gets a single nick on his finger. But before the blood hits the deck, he's, he pushes the finger into his mouth and tears off a bit of his cloak as it's becoming shredded by the wings of these moths and ties them around his hands. 
and starts just shoveling these mods off the side of the deck, and the deck kind of bucks like a seesaw as we begin making a slow ascent toward the bridge before finally clumsily landing. He pants and looks up, sweating, instinctively grabbing for his handkerchief, his perfumed handkerchief, dabbing in his face. I did it! Oh no! Sees the mother moth hanging over the entrance. Yeah, yeah, the mother moth. So let me give you the, the scene at this point. The bridge connects two towers, like I mentioned, these sort of hanging towers. One of the hanging towers, the entrance is on the underside of the bridge. So you would have to go underneath and then to go in. The one that's not on the underside of the bridge, the one you can just walk into, that actually has the giant mother moth with her huge blue wings sort of gently fanning, just kind of hanging above the doorway. At first, you just thought she was part of the structure because of her coloring, but in fact, she started to move. And just to give you a sense of her size, her body is about the size of one of you, but the wings, of course, are like five times wider, right? So it's just this big mother moth creature with lots of the little moths sort of flitting about. But you're here. You're on the bridge. Uh, The set goal is complete, by the way. You're still in this set, but the set goal is complete. Lord Dion, what do you do? After being rollicked from this ship crashing into this bridge, I get to my feet. Squire! (laughs) What? You have been demoted. Thank God. You are no longer the shipwright. That was horrid. You didn't listen to any of my advice. I said we should have gone down below, but you wouldn't have it with all of your frilling about. It took all of my concentration just to land it. I'm very sorry, I guess. This will not be forgotten, Squire. You will have to remember your place. Listen to good advice when it comes to you. If we would have come down there... And he gestures towards uh, where the silken entrance was. Perhaps our landing could have been more soft and delicate. But now we must deal with this. Zabatu and Bruno, what are you up to? Bruno is looking this moth up and down, studying its movements. Because it's just hovering above the doorway or the entrance yeah, of this yeah. tower, right? Yeah, take a hunt roll since you're checking it out. Oh, okay. It's two dice if you have a skill or equipment, one dice otherwise. Okay. Uh, I feel like tactics might apply because I'm trying to figure out how to get past I'm into it. it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that's snake eyes. Oh my God. <laughs> what a cruel roll. <laughs> yes. You'd lose all your hunt roll tokens if you had any. I did. I had one. It is gone. And you feel a hand on your shoulder. Someone just lightly touching your shoulder from behind. What do you do? Glance over my shoulder, assuming that it's this soldier that I accidentally conjured up. You know him now. You recognize him through his blood-smeared face. His name is Radic. He was lower rank than you. He says, Well, Sergeant, or what do I call you now? I cock my head. I suppose just Bruno will have to do. I see you are trying to assess the situation. That's what you used to do back when we were in war together. You had a brilliant tactical mind. I remember that. 
I shake my head a little bit, like trying to clear the fog away. That seems to be slipping from me. Hmm. I don't think you want to get into a fight with that thing. You're not really up for it, are you? I can tell, just by being near you, you've almost lost the will for this fight. That's something of a habit of yours. Does anybody else see him? No. <laughs> okay, cool. That's I figured. <laughs> I don't know. I think that they're not looking, so let's, let's leave it vague for now. Right, cool. He kind of, you know, he's taking a little dig at you, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Bruno pulls, like, his big, heavy winter mittens off and tucks them into his belt, kind of rolls his shoulders, loosening them up. I think I have one or two more fights in me. <laughs> no, you don't. But I'm going to help you. Do you know why? Some quest for poetic justice. I die at a time of your choosing. Huh. That's not bad. But no, I just want to show you that I'm a better man than you. Oh, my feels. Oh. Give me your knife. Yeah, Bruno pulls out his, like, big, heavy belt knife. He takes the knife, and he slices a deep cut on his left pectoral, and blood begins to ooze out. Here, bend down. Drink of me. Out of character, I'll let you heal a ruin. Uh, yeah, I think <laughs> shaking... It takes a lot to, to get Bruno shook, I think. This fucking does it. He bends down and laps the blood off of Radic. Zabatu, you just happen to turn around, and you do, in fact, see Bruno drinking blood from the breast of a man you don't recognize. What do you do? Bruno, what do you think you're doing? When a spirit offers you something, you don't just accept it. Radic, he actually like kind of puts his hand behind Bruno's head affectionately and says, I don't mean this man any harm, despite the fact he is a cur and a treacherous dog. Accepting a gift from a spirit is accepting chains, shackles. Bruno pulls away, wipes some of the blood off of his face. Everyone wears shackles. Better they're ones of your own choosing than ones somebody else puts on you. Better to be the one holding the chain. Is there a way that I could capture this spirit? Do you have some means of doing that? I don't have a, a ritual. Um, spirits and curses to a point are skills of mine, but I wasn't sure how far I would be able to push that. There is a ritual that actually does that. Mm, um, okay. It's a sort of bottling ritual. I'm open to your idea, though. What do you have in mind? Basically, I'll just increase the stakes dramatically if I let you do it. So. Sure. Yeah, I mean, having a spirit, especially that of a soldier in your pocket, could always be useful. He says, I know what you're thinking, witch, and fear not, I'm not going anywhere. Watch yourself, Bruno, with that thing following you. You don't know what you're dabbling in. He says, I'm going to go now, Sergeant. And he takes out a handkerchief and he wipes the blood from your lips. And then he just smiles and walks back and disappears into the ether. Bruno salutes fist to chest just for a moment. Nice. Uh, you do get to lower your ruin by one. 
Ezio and Lord Dion, you didn't see any of that. What are the two of you doing? I think we've been bickering the whole time. Yes, absolutely. I've I've demoted you, and you're talking about how you landed the ship. I was supposed to land it on a wall? That's just, that's ridiculous. I don't... Do you not see it's a beautiful canvas in which we could partake in? We could have landed and been greeted by the beauty of whatever is behind that great veil. That it's The unknown is precisely why I didn't try to land there. That was the whole... That's the problem. The unknown is the only reason the great historians and poets before us plunged forward into the islands of the unknown. They were unknown. Ugh. Again with the great historians. No, 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 no. We are here. We have arrived at the palace, and we only have to find our way past a great beast. What, what more poetic thing could you possibly want? Editha says... Speaking of great beasts, my lord, look there. And she points at the end of the bridge toward the moth. And I described it earlier as a massive tangle of horns of antlers. And she points out two particularly large, grand antlers, one on either side of the bridge. She says, unless my eyes deceive me, those are a pair of elder stag horns in the bridge. My lord, you would know better the worth of such a thing. My dear, I would. Such a thing has not been seen, hide nor hair, and where I am from in a long time. I would say for decades and decades at least. Books speak of them, but only speak of them, for few have seen. Let us pursue this great treasure. Squire! I've been promoted again. What? Ready yourself. There may be great danger if the beast attempts to attack us. I will ready myself as well. And I draw my blade. She says, I'll keep my crossbow trained on it. Aditha, my dear, though you come from humble origins, there may be great things in your future. If you keep your sharp wit and your high intelligence around. Fourth, I swing my sword forward and begin marching. <laughs> indeed, indeed. These two horns are, they are worked into the construct of the bridge. You can get them out. They would be worth a fair amount of money, especially together. I don't know if this is a safe thing to do. It might require a little bit of puzzling out how to remove them without damaging anything or destabilizing the bridge. Lord Dion, if you were to take point on that, how would you approach the problem? Lord Dion is not a man of thinking. He is a man of action. <laughs> I'm sorry. What? <laughs> These two great horns come out at either side of the bridge before we would go into the tower. Correct. Yeah. I shall go to the backside of this horn and begin shouldering it attempting to break it off at the base of the root with my <laughs> immense strength after a few futile moments when that doesn't seem to work I shall draw on my great knowledge heart piercer I would like to begin chopping and cutting back and forth at the root of because I am left handed the left antler attempting to 
unfasten it from the bridge. I'm not going to require a roll here. I am just going to say that as Lord Dion begins wailing away at the root of the Elder Staghorn, the giant moth is clearly getting agitated. Its wings are starting to flutter apace, and every whack seems to disturb the flurry around her just a little bit. Uh, uh, the, my lord, I'm not so certain that's a good way. Quiet, squire! I am making progress in the great root of this tree. Ha! 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 And I continue my my thrusting. Aditha says, I think, my lord, I think perhaps we should we should attack this problem with a little bit less gusto right now. Zabatu and Bruno, what do you do? Zabatu's been giving Bruno a stern look after their encounter with the spirit. But then as we hear this whacking and yelling and fluttering of the moth wings... She rolls her eyes. I suppose we need to go and save our Lord Idiot. It appears he's disturbing the creature. Come on, I'm going to need your strength. Bruno nods. Uh, And he draws his sword out under his breath. This is what comes from generations of fool nobles inbreeding with each other. And all it ever does is get soldiers like me killed. Not a bad assessment of the situation, (laughs) really. The moth takes flight. Oh, no. (laughs) The beating of its wings are like a Sirocco sort of swirling wind, except it's a cold wind around you. And it's just gliding down toward you all. I will take risk rolls to avoid this if someone has a great idea. Otherwise, a combat is perfectly in order. The thing only has endurance eight. It's not the hardest monster in the world. I was going to try to actually duck beneath the the deck of the ship. So get down on the ribs so that I could cross over to the antler bridge easily. I think that's fine. I mean, if you just want to run into the palace, I think that's an option. That's pretty much. Yeah, that's the game plan. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's great. Um, If that's if that's the role, like, let's just run out of get out of here. (laughs) I think that's I think that's fine. You're talking about ways to avoid combat. I'm giving you the option. Otherwise, it's going to be a combat. Yeah. I really want to attempt insanity. You're trying you're trying to get the antlers. I don't even think you're trying to fight this thing yet. My plan was to have Zabatu yell at Bruno, just Will you grab him and drag him away? He's gonna get himself killed. <laughs> so this is just a uh, an intervention, basically, <laughs> to get out of there. Yeah, now that the moth is like freed from the doorway, I think that Zabatu has seen the opening and trying to take it. And hopefully leading her friends. I, I think I that's it. good. I like it. Uh, Zabatu, I'll let you have the roll. And you can maybe take help from Bruno if you need it. What could go wrong, gang? I, I'll keep it simple. I think, I think you're just going to have to fight the moth. I think that's probably the worst thing that could happen here. Yeah, I don't have any other suggestions. I kind of want to... I mean, I, I want to fight the moth, but Ezio <laughs> does not want to fight the moth. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Any other suggestions for how it could fail? The dust from the moth's wings lands in our mouths and eyes. Hmm. Probably fine. Yeah, what could go wrong there? Yeah. uh, (laughs) Jason, your face. That was what I was going to say. Zapatu, skills or equipment? What do you think? 
is this improvisation? Sure. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's like a, yeah, because you're kind of acting in a hurry because the, oh, the moth left. Okay, good, let's go. <laughs> you know? Now or never. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I like how you also described like kind of using the horns as cover too, like kind of crawling through the ship. I thought that was pretty good. Okay. Devil's Bargains. Hmm. Uh, I'm going to hold off. If anybody else has an idea, go ahead and speak. No matter what, Lord Dion's attacks on the antlers crumble part of the bridge and our path back to the ship is at the very least harder but probably near impossible that's pretty good just make it impossible (laughs) yeah Yeah, i'm I'm gonna second that yeah i like that one all right fine i was trying to i was trying to be diplomatic about it no matter what lord dion's last attack creates a deep fissure within the bridge and the tower itself Hmm. and at the end of that fissure you see a blackness sprout and the bone turns gray slowly over time. Yeah. Any other offers? No, because I was going to say that the moth takes its anger out on the ship and like tries to push that's, it off the side. So it's basically the good same too. thing. Yeah. Yeah. All right, well, what do you think, Sabatu? I like the bridge crumbling apart behind us and making a, yeah. a, an easy journey back to the ship essentially impossible. I think that's great. So you've got two light and... I think dark is sort of automatic here, so go ahead and roll uh, two one. Six, and it's the light die. Nice. Doesn't get any better than that. Give me the whole scene. Getting everybody out of there. I'm even going to let you have one of the staghorns, Lord Dion, losing the part of the bridge, all that. Yeah, I think we can maybe round robin this a little bit. Sure. Certainly, Zabatu ducks down beneath the ribs and her bare-wrapped feet hopping from antler to antler as she runs across this bridge. Uh, after she yelled at Bruno to grab Lord Dion, she loses all interest in whether her companions make it or not. So yeah, she uh, she just races, doesn't look back, ducks underneath the doorway. Nice. Yeah, keep it going. Everybody just escape. Ezio begins running toward the entrance and looks back and sees Aditha begin hobbling with the crutch, trying to keep up, thinking that we'll leave her. And Ezio turns back and I'm going to fireman's carry her through the entrance. Bruno seeing Dion impotently thrusting at this antler with his rapier swings his sword that's actually designed to cut things and just (laughs) (laughs) splinters the the antler enough that it comes free and nice (laughs) it like pushes Lord Dion he grabs it and gets it but it the weight of it carries him through the doorway (laughs) the momentum carries him through (laughs) that's good I like it. Lord Dion, do you have anything to add? <laughs> Very good. Uh, Lord Dion, you can add Elder Staghorn uh, to your found equipment. It's only worth one gold by itself, unfortunately. Oh. JD, since it was your role, describe how the bridge cracks and, and it crumples. What's that about? As Lord Dion and Bruno break this antler piece off and pull it away, both the stress from that sword hit and then the removal of this support antler uh, <laughs> the antlers just start to unravel and as soon as one starts to fall away other ones kind of fall out of this 3d puzzle and the whole thing just begins drifting off i think kind of just into the gossamer void yeah yeah that's great so you all managed to escape through this large sort of arched entryway into this tower into the palace this hanging tower That leads to a corridor, and that corridor splits off into a series of twisting corridors of fog, 
lace and glass. And it's kind of one of those things where a little bit like the lace of that wall, these corridors are sort of threading in and out of each other. And you occasionally get separated from each other. You maybe don't even mean to, you just do. Then you kind of meet back up. You lose track of Aditha a little bit because she goes a little slower than the rest of you, but even she eventually catches back up every time. And all of these corridors lead to one place, a place which is our next set, the Hall of Games, a long hall full of game tables, many of them covered with game pieces that are sort of delicate glass figurines, and the floor is made of alternating squares of white marble and black obsidian. There is, in the center of the room, a great game table at which sits a man who we may talk about later. And then all around this sort of great table, which is a little elevated above the others, there are a bunch of other small game tables. And then beyond all that, on the other side of the hall, there is a grand doorway hung with a sort of gauzy curtain over it. The set goal here is to win masks that get you past the palace's guardians. And so I'm just going to go around the table and find out what you're each interested in doing right now, and we'll kind of take it from there. I'm going to start with Ezio. You mentioned guardians, but there's one person we can see, or are there multiple people around? There's only one person you can see, one man at the sort of great central game table. And then beyond the game tables on the other side of the hall, there is like essentially a doorway to to go to the next place. I think this is kind of like Scooby-Doo, where we had entered separate corridors and like separated, and now Ezio enters the hall first, alone, confused. Looking around, I assume the tables for games that he's never heard of and games that he has heard of, of course. How does the game master... Does is he notice me? The man at the central table, yes, he might look up briefly. The table's really high and he's kind of like... It's kind of his chest and arms are up on the table. Like his chin almost rests on the edge of the table, right? And he sort of looks at you briefly, looking up from his his pieces and cocks his head to the side, perhaps assessing whether you're a worthy opponent, and then goes back to what he was doing. Seeing that sidelong judging glance, Ezio puffs his chest up and spritzes some perfume. Um, excuse me. He says, oh, oh, yes, yes. Uh, welcome, welcome. Welcome to the Hall of Games. The Hall of Games? Yes, it is a chamber that is hall-shaped and filled with games. <laughs> All right. Um, I'm looking for treasure. Oh, well, the only way to get treasure here is to win it. Or I suppose steal it. But you're not going to do that because you are not a cheater, are you? Ezio squints. No. I didn't think so. Have a look around. You never know when someone who wants to play a game will just show up. Confused, Ezio looks around and I'm going to start going from table to table to find a a game that I recognize. I don't don't know if I'm supposed to 
introduce games or if you have games ready or what's uh how's this yeah we hand wave the games a little bit but uh take a hunt roll though since you're looking around what is the purpose of you're looking around just trying to see who else is there or what are you trying to do i'm looking for a mark <laughs> oh very good very good yeah take that roll one die just because and a second die if you have a skill or piece of equipment that would apply uh deals that might be a little I I don't know. I'm not opposed to it. Let me ask you a question. You told us when you were saying your part to power Ardkin, you said that your truth is that you know you'll never know true love, right? That you'll always be alone, I think is what you said. I'm curious about Ezio's romantic past. Is there a romantic past? Was there a woman or a man, I suppose, who who held your heart and cruelly ripped it out of your chest unsurprisingly i don't think that companionship is very hard to come by at fort durin which is why he's spent so much time there adventurers as much desperate as they are suicidal most people thinking that this may be the last time that they go out into the world and though they're cocksure enough to think otherwise they sometimes are at least hyped up enough on adrenaline to think that one last night of passion could bring them a little bit of luck. That is true. Yeah, that seems about right for a place like Fort Durin. And that's a good reason for somebody like Ezio to hang out there as long as he has, accumulate enough money, and retire to the Rose District, which should hopefully have as many able-bodied people as he can to love. I like that. Unfortunately, I, I honestly can't think of... We, we mentioned before that Ezio is basically you know a, a simp or whatever but as far as him being somebody in in a relationship at any kind of point i can't picture that very well and that may be a sort of arms distance sort of situation a, a a hesitance to show his true self at any point duplicitous and cowardly Indeed. but unfortunately i i can't uh, i can't summon for myself a scenario that seems a good intimate scenario and never it just doesn't manifest itself to me i'm sorry to say no no that's perfectly that's that sounds great to me for now make your hunt roll one die and let's see how that goes so that's a five you get a token go ahead and mark it and you encounter something terrible which we'll talk about in a moment but for now i think you're just wandering about the seemingly empty tables who arrives next i think bruno does Okay. When you arrive, Bruno, it's everything is as I've described, except you also see Ezio. Okay. Bruno's eyes light up a little bit. When he was at the academy, there were only a few things that Bruno really excelled at. No good at maths, so he was never going to be an engineer. Not very good at history. Didn't like to pay attention. But he was good at fighting, and he was good in his strategy classes. And so I think that his eyes light up a little bit as he sees all these games. Ezio, do you play? Was there a specific game that you were in front of? I didn't say anything specifically. He just enjoys games of strategy. Okay. Which I assume like these are kind of like chess games or checkers kind of games. Games like that, yeah. 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 From time to time, I am known to... Ezio looks at whatever game it is. Play... This. this this game right here <laughs> <laughs> I roll my eyes you provincials have no culture Bruno eyes up the man sort of looming over the table you 
Are you any good? He says, oh, 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 oh. Uh, me? Am, am I any good? Yes. I have a title, as it turns out. I am the Games Warden. I warden the games. I'm great. Rub so good. And I can tell that you are also quite good, sir. I can tell you have a, a keen strategic mind just by the way you pick up and put down pieces on the table. Bruno is striding over to the games warden. He takes off his coat, puts it over the back of the chair across from the games warden. Care for a game? Oh, yes, yes. Uh, please, please, uh, sit, sit. We shall, uh, we shall get going right now. At this point, you will notice, Bruno, the games warden is dressed in fashions that, I, mean, I don't know how well your character knows fashion, but Lord Dion would certainly recognize his dress as out of fashion a little bit. The sleeves are a little too puffy. The velvet is a little too crushed. He looks like a well-to-do man from a much earlier era. He also has what appears to be a crystal collar around his neck. He says, yes, we should certainly play. Yes, um, have a seat. I, I shall arrange the board. And he begins arranging the board. Meanwhile, Ezio, you're still just wandering about tables, I think. Who arrives next? Zabatu will come in next. Zabatu, everything is as I've described it, except you see Bruno sitting at the great table and Ezio still wandering around, toying with pieces. Hmm. Seems strange, a room of games with no players. I'm going to wander over to Ezio. Have you noticed anything? Have any pieces been moving as you've wandered? No. no I... No. Doesn't it seem... St- Strange to use such a large space with no one to fill it. I, th- I suppose. I thought maybe there were supposed to be people here once that aren't anymore, or I hadn't given it much consideration, honestly. Hmm. Spritz, spritz, dab, dab. Do I recognize any of these games? Yes. There are games of your world. There are probably games of other worlds as well. Ezio, do you know how to play rooks? I know the rules, I guess. I'm not good. Never had the patience for games, to be honest. That's surprising. I feel like you would be someone who would want to explore the... Well, exploit, perhaps, would be better. I had interest in shell games or bets, deadpools. Those are quite popular at Fort Duran, but no, Rooks, I I could play a little, I suppose. Ezio's trying to make himself appear very small. Mm, trying to run at a con. <laughs> <laughs> at this point, you will hear a woman's voice over your shoulder, Ezio. She says, I happen to be a very, very good Rooks player indeed. Watch me, dear, and I'll show you how it's done. You turn... Assuming you turn. Oh, I turn. To see Beatrix Mandrake, Diabolist and Showwoman Extraordinaire. 
I suppose I should have spent a little bit more time talking about the the, the really only woman who stole my heart. Yes. You you set me up for that, and I didn't take it. That's okay. Well, you know, it was such a brief it was a brief flirtation, wasn't it? Oh, I I remembered. I just thought you wanted something more substantive, and perhaps I should have just gone with the direct uh, uh, thing. No, I just thought of it. Beatrix Mandrake, diabolist and show woman extraordinaire, the woman who saved your bacon back at Hester's Mill by giving you the secret words that allowed you to see the demon Malfast. Your other companions didn't fare quite as well as you did, Ezio, but she's here. She is an older woman. She's probably got 10, 15, 20 years on you, if I'm being honest. And she's wearing her heavy sort of like velvet robes embroidered with stars and moons and other sigils, flaming red hair, pale white skin. She sits down at the table and she pulls a chair next to her. She says, sit. Oh, the chair nearly topples over as Ezio scrambles for it. <laughs> no. And she looks across at you, Zabatu. I hear you're a good rooks player. Zabatu's eyes darken. Hmm. Why is that? I know you. She gives you a sly smile and says, I think I just have one of those faces. No, no, I've read your texts. Oh, you've read my work? Sabatu sits down more enthusiastically now. Well, of course, I'm not surprised you've read my work. I mean, some of the most formative studies in diabolism were done by me. And, well... I don't want to toot my own horn, but I have traveled to all nine circles of hell. Yes, all nine. It's been a while since you've kept up on current discourse then, isn't it? Yes. As I say this, I make a move. Oh, I like your style. Ms. how shall I call you? I am Zabatu. Oh, the name doesn't ring a bell at all, actually. Zabatu smirks un, unbothered by this, I think. <laughs> yes. Con- conspicuously unbothered, I'm sure. <laughs> as she makes her move. Lord Dion, I think it's your time to arrive. I flutter through the beautiful gossamer openings of this area. I am sewing fervently with my sewing kit, attempting to repair my beautiful garb that has been shredded by these moths. Everything is as we've described it so far, Lord Dion. I begin by walking over to the table where these two are playing. Uh, Bruno and the game warden or or Beatrix and the others? We will begin with Beatrix and the others. Well, look at you. What a fine coat that must have been at one point. (laughs) Madam, please. You have begun with the riverside opening. That seems a little childish. Are you trying to lure them into a trap? Oh, I'm not the type that lures people into traps. Damn. Let's make it fair. Here, let's play doubles. Hmm? I'm sorry, you you would want to play doubles with me? Uh, well, you could be the partner of... Uh, I'm sorry, what was it again, dear? Have a seat, Lord Dion. I am far too uneducated for this. I apologize. I grab Zabatu by the shoulder. Be careful of Flash. Cutting across is something they like to do to put you in a bad position. Anyways, dear, I must get a drink. 
and I flourish forward. You've been here a while. Where where are the drinks in this area? You say that to Beatrix or the Games Warden? To Beatrix. She says, oh, I've only just arrived, dear. I'm actually not really here, if I'm being perfectly honest. Madam, none of us are perfectly here. But do you know where the drinks are, or have I just come to a game hall that is dry as the desert? And she just sort of shrugs and makes her move. Says, uh, your turn, dear. You are all too much, and too much together. I start pouncing towards my other compatriot, who is playing amongst the game's warden. As you are walking toward the central game table, you feel one of the tiles beneath your feet give ever so slightly. Just a slight depression, and then nothing more. But you can otherwise continue walking. No, it stops me. This shoddy workmanship in a beautiful place such as this. I make a scene of it. Oh, sure, yeah. No one's paying attention, but yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Cutting over to the great table, the games warden says, My name is Sarah. What's yours? I'm... uh, Bruno. Bruno. Fine. Fine name. Bruno the games warden. Or Bruno. Great. Wonderful. (laughs) And he's getting the pieces all sorted out. And he says, Now, Bruno, I have to warn you, we take cheating very seriously around here. Very, very seriously. Don't cheat. That's all I ask. Bruno is cracking his knuckles as the pieces are being set up. Oh, don't worry, Warden. I don't need to cheat. Ah, no, no, of course. I, I don't mean to... I don't mean to impugn your, your integrity at all, Bruno. I um, just want to put it out there. Fair warning and all. He's getting the board set up. And it's a chess-like game from something that you recognize. Yeah. He says, so tell me about that man, he says as he makes his first move. The man who is sitting over there at that table and keeps eyeballing you. Is that man uh, Radic? It is Radic. Yeah. Imagine coming to the games hall in such a state of undress, covered in blood. My goodness. He was a man who didn't understand that sometimes you have to sacrifice a few pawns to protect your king. That's a good line as you make your move. That's great. <laughs> as you tip a pawn over. Yeah, that's great. Radic apparently overheard this and says, No, but he is the sort of man that understands honor and understands that superior officers shouldn't abandon men on the field. Sarah says, It sounds like you two have a bit of a history. A bit. A bit. He makes his move. Now, Bruno, we have to have a wager. Can't just play with no wager. I agree. It's been a long time since I've had a worthy opponent to play against. Yes, yes. What do you propose? Um, well, uh, how about this? This is one of my most prized possessions, and so... I hope that you will put up something of at least approaching the value of it. But here, and he pulls out what appears to be a beautiful porcelain compass. This, well, 
You're not going to get lost with this in your hand, I'll tell you that. It always points true. So, what do you have to wager, hmm? Bruno reaches into a pouch at his belt and pulls out two collar pins Okay. that are both crossed sabers. Hmm. He says, ah, yes, I have a certain fondness uh, at times for things that go around my neck, he says as he uncomfortably plays with that crystal collar. That's a fine first wager, and he makes his move, cutting back over to the other table. So the game is still just Zabatu, Beatrix, and Ezio looking on, correct? Yes. And she says, you know, I wasn't lying just then. I'm not really here. I'm currently in a meditative state, and I have attuned to this place. I attuned to places in the gossamer void from time to time, and, well, I saw my friend here, and I just had to follow. Ah, well, attunement, certainly. Of course, that's leaning into your tricks as a showwoman, not your true diabolist nature. Well, question. No matter, Ezio, how do you two know each other? We're in love. Oh. oh that. Well, he, he is a very, very charming young man, to be sure. But love, oh, my dear, dear, your name is... <laughs> Ezio. Ezio. Ezio, my dear Ezio. Save your heart for another. But you, you say you saved me. Yes, I did. That's true. It's the least I could do since I brought the creature into that world to begin with. If it's not love, then how did you find me here? That's your big puppy dog eyes. I imagine. And she goes, oh, don't ever stop being you, you, and you. To you, Zabatu. Do you possess the ability to project your consciousness across the silvery void? Not quite the field I was interested in pursuing. Ah, apparently neither were games. And she makes a very strong move against you. Captures a couple pieces. But I have dabbled in the literature. You haven't read Tevgu's refutation of your ninth paradigm hypothesis, have you? Oh, I read it, and let me tell you, there were, well, let's just say there were some certain inconsistencies, a particularly pungent lack of rigor in his writing and in his research. I don't really want to talk about it. Oh, so you didn't find the fact that he found your incantations of protection to be lacking. You don't think it has any merit. And I'm going to start pushing on a different front, letting this one collapse. Indeed, indeed. Cut back over to our dear Lord Dion. You said you're heading over to the great table, right? Yes. Sarah looks down from the table and sees you and says, Oh, we have an audience now, Bruno. Well, apart from your disgruntled friend over there. Come to watch the master at work, Dion. Yes, he seems to be doing a very good job against you. Ah, touche, touche. I like I like the relationship you have with your friends, Bruno. They are all very, very quick-witted, aren't they? I think Bruno just rolls his eyes and focuses back on the game. Radix says, Why don't you come over here and play with me, Bruno? I don't think you're quite ready for the big table yet. 
I've studied the treatises of the 400 masters for my whole life. If there's one thing that I'm sure I'm good at, it's this. And the games warden leans in and says, It's considered rude to deny a request, a challenge in this place. And rudeness is very, very near on par with cheating. Perhaps Lord Dion could take your place. Lord Dion? Bruno, you've done a fantastic job. This is... And I survey the board in which Bruno has played. Intelligent. Some would say almost brilliant. But you die from this position. Do you not see it? So Reddick is challenging you, Bruno. He says, I'm sitting all over here by myself, abandoned at this table. Bruno looks down at the board and looks back up at the game's warden and tips over his king and pushes the gold rank insignia across the table. Well played, but I would hate to be rude. The table is yours, Dion. Yes, Lord Dion, join me, join me. I will, um, I shall put these two things in the pot, these fine uh, collar pins and this fine uh, porcelain compass, and I will add to it a bottle of pure starlight. And he pulls out a bottle that indeed is glowing with light. And he sets it down. Now, what might you have, Lord Dion, that could match this fantastic wager? You will have to forgive me. I have this hand with which I could throw into the pot. But your pot is so, so full and overflowing. What did you say your name was? I am Sarah, the games warden. Indeed, Sarah. Sarah. Indeed, Sarah. I would offer my soul, I suppose, to fill out the end of this pot. Your soul? Yes, my, my soul. You've, you've offered multiple trinkets. You've offered something that seems unequivocally fantastic. I believe I must offer my soul in order to truly best you in this game of... Is it rooks? I, I can't tell. Yes? I shall... I shall, I shall, I shall agree to your offer, Lord Dion. Um, yes. And he begins to, like, move the crystal collar around a little bit, around his neck. He says, I, I think that can be arranged. If you lose, of course. The paperwork will be signed, of course. Lord Dion, Lord Dion, the games warden. Yes. And he goes to get the board set up. Raddick waves a hand in front of him at the chair and says, have a seat, Sergeant, or Bruno. Bruno sits haphazardly, tossing his coat over the back of the chair. Raddick makes a move right away. Your move. Bruno makes his move. I wasn't aware you knew how to play. Oh, I know how to play. Trust me. You manage to get up to a lot when you're dead. Well, at least you have plenty of time now. He makes another move. Your move. What is your fascination with me? Soldiers die. You took the coin. That's the bargain. Sure. Sure. Yes, I did. I guess I just resent the fact that I'm here and you're there. I resent the fact that you're here too. Bruno makes his move. Indeed. The games are continuing between at the three tables. And as the games are going on, you 
at one point smell this very sharp scent of spilled liquor. Maybe there are drinks somewhere, but there's no obvious source where it's coming from. And I think the camera of our little movie here focuses in on one of the game tables and we see a a little crystal spinning top just sort of wobbling once, wobbling twice, never quite falling down, but very, very perilously close to doing so. And your concentration is broken by the sound of Aditha, who was apparently sitting at a table, but no one saw her come in. She says, cheater, you're calling me a cheater? I've never cheated in my life. And if you look over, you will see that she's playing the game with her dead husband. And she stands up as best she can. (laughs) She kind of wobbles a bit, right? She's nearly teetering and almost falling over. Sarah looks at you, Lord Dion, and says, An accusation of cheating, not good. And the black obsidian square that she's standing on falls out from underneath her, plunging her into a void below. Lord Dion, what do you do? I visibly shake. That was unexpected. I will admit that she had come with us only recently. Has she gone somewhere to pay her penance, or is she gone? He says, oh, um, well, there is uh, a massive spiderweb down there, and there are these uh, quite terrifying spiders that will get to her soon, I'm sure. That is all. <laughs> that is, yes, I suppose. <laughs> I'm, pr- I'm probing to see how he responds to this. Hmm. Let me look at your skills. Hmm. You have appraisal. I'm I'm into it. I'll just give you this. Uh, yeah, he's not lying. There's a hmm. big giant spider pit down there <laughs> that she just got <laughs> thrown into. So he is true. Anyone who cheats in this game potentially goes and Go in the hole. deals with the spiders. Yeah. Anyone who's accused of cheating, I think to myself. The accusation was enough in this case. <laughs> Where do you wish to begin? Is this to Sarah? Yeah. He makes his move and says, here. Which side do you choose, Sarah? Oh, uh, and he he spins the board around and makes his move. Yes, yes, I understand the opening. Now, what if I do this and I move a piece forward? Well, that's that's an interesting move. Um, a, a, a very, a very strong move, my lord. In fact, uh, very, very strong. I'm not sure I'll be able to counter it. You should definitely maintain that particular line of tactics. Are you worried, Sarah? That I'm going to lose? No, of course not. Uh, No, uh, uh, am I worried about what, my lord? How long have you played this game? And I I make an aggressive move. He says, well, I have a little bit of experience with it, I suppose. And he makes a brilliant counter move. I am the game's warden, after all. But maybe maybe for not much longer. I make a a retreat backwards. How long have you been by yourself? I assume a long time without your father and your mother. I have been here for a very, very long time, my lord. The Rhyme Court nobles have positions that need to be filled, and they are the sorts of jobs that one takes for a very, very long time. I'm afraid, my lord, that once you are 
in their service, leaving it is very hard indeed. I make a couple of inconsistent moves, attempting to create a conversation on the board about stalling. I pull forth my cloak and begin mending it. You see, one thing they never record in the storybooks is the aunties, the true mothers, sisters, mothers, the ones who take care of us and teach us how to do things that are useful. You see, and I'm, I'm sewing and mending, attempting to, the cloak that has been bitten by these moths. One always wishes to have a linear path to existence. I do not. What is your path? I have but one goal, my lord, to get out of this place. And I will get out of this place. And he makes a very strong move. A very smart move. And back at the rook's table with Sabatu, Beatrix, and Ezio. Beatrix looks at you, Ezio, and says, I do wish there was a bar or something like that. I could use a bit of a drink, but I suppose it's just me acting out old habits and enthusiasms. I don't really need a drink. I'm not real. I mean, I, I, can't, I can't spend an equipment slot on wine, can I? Sure. <laughs> All right. I will absolutely pull out a bottle of wine. It's not great or even good. But it's wine. Yes. Well. And she takes it and she she says, let's have a toast. Uh, yes, of course. Uh, Zabatu, uh, uh, some, uh, some wine for you? I'm not going to turn down the offer. A toast. A toast. To my romping victory. Hmm? Uh, to, like, side-eye at Zabatu, a little concerned. To your romping victory. Oh, there we go. That's two for, to my rumping victory, Zabam. And she makes her move. <laughs> well, I'm not one to stand in the way of democracy. And I lift my glass, and as we uh, clink, my eyes, like, linger over at Ezio, take a sip. Ezio meets your gaze and kind of shrugs. Well then, let's see here. I begin uh, defending, moving back, moving some pieces back into uh, a more defensive posture, mm. letting her come forward a little ways. Radic is playing really sloppy, Bruno. Aggressive, sloppy. Might not even know the rules of the game, if I'm being honest. He's just really going for it. He says, here we are. And I think I've got you on the ropes. That was always your problem, Radic. You always overestimated your own intelligence. And then I think uh, Bruno makes a move that sort of like cuts his field in half. I think he's beaten. He takes out a mask from under the table and says, Here, you've won. Fair and square. You're going to need this. I told you I was here to help you. Right, Sergeant? If you're here to help... Can you tell me, and Bruno nods to the game warden, is that a human man standing there? Uh, what passes for human in his world, I suppose. Remind me, did we explicitly know or think that this was like a place of the Fae? Well, yo, yeah, that was part of the legend, yeah. Okay. So, iron, all that, gonna be any use here? 
Oh, there's some of that sort here, too. I've seen them. Bruno takes the mask. Well played, Reddick. Well played, Sergeant. I'll see you around. And he disappears. Beatrix is ready to make her move, Zabatu. And she's not so easy to beat, <laughs> unfortunately. If you want to try to beat her, it's a risk roll. If not, you can let her win. Oh, I'm going to let her win. Okay. She makes her move and she's like, ah, ah, little celebratory clap. Oh, my winnings. And she pulls out this mask. I have no need for it, I'm afraid. This is my last stop at the palace. But perhaps for you, my dear. And she's passing over the mask to you, Ezio, as if she had just won this for you like a stuffed animal at the carnival. Ezio, hands under chin, accepts it with glee. Oh my... That's wonderful. Thank you so much. And he, like, pushes it up to his face and... Does it depict anything in particular? We're going to talk about the masks in a minute. He dances around with it. Indeed, indeed. Back at the great table, Sarah says, Now, my lord, I don't think your soul is going to be quite good enough. I need a wager that is even more grand than that. But I am willing to make my side of the wager very, very high indeed. This is a big, big pot. What say you, my lord? My soul is not enough, you say. <laughs> no, yours yours is not enough. No, no, no. I don't need your soul. I need I, I need your body. I need your neck. I need your neck for a thousand years. Or until you're able to beat someone and pass the collar along to them. I'm willing to wager this. But we are in the midst of this game, yes? Oh, yeah. I wish to institute... A situation. The queen would like to pull out. Bruno. What? You will have to finish this game. <laughs> it is boring to me. I've almost finished sewing up my garment. And this player wishes to have my soul and my neck on the line. So go on. Beat him. Just to be clear... It's your soul and your neck on the line. You are correct, Bruno. Yes, it is my soul and my neck on the line. To be clear, I don't want your soul. No need for it. <laughs> sure. Bruno. Bruno looks at the state of the table. Lord Dion's losing badly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have set you up perfectly for a victory. <laughs> Bruno shakes his head and gestures for you to stand up. It's your neck, my lord. It is indeed. And I walk away, continuing to sew my garment. Well, it's a risk roll to beat him, Bruno. All right. What could go wrong, gang? Well, Lord Dion becomes the game's warden. That is a thing. Yeah, that's probably the ultimate bad result. I'm open to other suggestions, though. Bruno makes a mistake, and the games warden believes it's cheating. Uh, a misplaced piece, perhaps. <laughs> Indeed. Let's talk about your dice. So you said you do have like a tactic skill? I do, yeah. I'll take that for your first light die. What about Devil's Bargains? I'll make the offer. You win, but you do get accused of cheating. No matter what, Bruno's hand that he controls the pieces with, and his fingers that extend into them, go numb. 
and he never feels anything with them again. <laughs> no matter what, you have to give up more pieces than you had hoped. And now every time you sit down for a game, the memories of your lost compatriots will haunt your dreams that night. Hmm. Intriguing. But also, you start with less pieces. Whenever you would play a game, you find yourself with less pieces than your opponent. I like that one. Basically ruins this thing that I have yeah. left that I enjoy doing. Yeah, I think we're right as a condition. Maybe a condition you can't shake. Yeah, that's good. Uh, Nathan, any offers? Uh, no, I don't have anything that I like. So do you want to go with that one then, Ryan? Yeah, the the condition that I can't shake. Yeah, you always start a game with fewer pieces. Yeah, mm-hmm. It's very poetic. I don't think you're risking your dark die or your, your mind or body yet, so no dark yeah. die needed. Just do two, risk two for now. There we go. Uh, that's a miss. That's three light. Yep. You can add a dark die and reroll if you wish. Yes, I will do that. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> Woof. Another three high, uh, which is a miss. But your dark die is not highest. You can add another dark die if you wish and try again. Do it. 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 Yeah, okay. I'll listen to the choir on this one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> too light, too dark. Hey, there, there we go. No. <laughs> uh, your ruin goes up, but you got a, got a full success, though. <laughs> so that's good. Yeah. So that puts you back up at ruin five, I think. It does indeed. <laughs> But you win. Uh, describe your your amazing win against against Sarah. The thing with studying the masters, Sarah, is that no one ever expects something new, and he doesn't use like one of the pattern strategies or counters. He just like one move in kind of an unexpected way captures his king, or however manages to win. Sarab clenches his fists, bites down hard on his teeth, and he says, I was so close. I was so close to getting out of here. And you you didn't even have to cheat. You even had this buffoon make half your moves before you started. Take, take your winnings. And he passes along the collar pins, the porcelain compass, the bottled starlight. You can add all that stuff to your gear. He also slides across a mask because you won the game. And he says, well, I suppose I'll just wait another hundred years for someone to come through. Unless one of you fancies a game. Also, at this point, Editha's husband is limping over to you all. He has a mask in his hand. He says, I won this by default, but I don't really need it. I'm not going any further than this. It was enough to send her plunging to her doom for what she did to me. He looks like he's shredded. I mean, his clothes, you can see his wounds. His feet are not there. He's walking on stumps, bloody stumps. He actually has them tied by a rope and slung over his shoulder like tennis shoes. And he just holds the mask out. Zabatu, you're the only one who doesn't have one. She looks over at it and then back over at Beatrix and Ezio. Well, I suppose at least I should congratulate you on your game. Well done. And I hold out my hand for Beatrix. She says, 
Yes, thank you. That's, that's very sportsmanlike of you, Miss Sabatu. I would like to unravel her spell as she takes my hand. Oh, meaning what? Uh, I would like to sever her tie to her physical body and trap her spirit here. <laughs> that's pretty gruesome. I like it. What about the husband offering the mask to whoever would take it? I'll probably get there if this doesn't work, but uh, I, wanted to, I wanted to finish this business <laughs> off first. Of course. So the idea here is, oh, you have the unravel ritual. Oh, my. Exactly. That is, that's hardcore. <laughs> <laughs> that's a risk roll. I like it a lot. What could go wrong? Okay. So much. You could misjudge, I guess, the frequency of her spell and perhaps partially split yourself from this plane and the plane that she's at, which is to say that the the arm you're shaking her hand with would go to her plane. Does that make sense? A chimera cast thing, you lose your hand. You lose your (laughs) hand, yeah. (laughs) I think maybe the ritual goes really horrible and you, like, obliterate her. Well, I don't like that. Don't do that. Like, just eradicate her projected consciousness and maybe this drives a wedge between you and Ezio and your friendship. It would. Any other thoughts on failure? Yeah. When you unbind her soul, it needs to find a new thing or a new body to anchor to, and it picks yours. (laughs) That's pretty good. (laughs) She, like, kind of counter-possesses you or something. Yeah, that's pretty good. Or she's, like, just attached to you in some way. Okay, so dice. Let's talk about that first light die. You have curses, you have spirits, you have... Yeah, I think those were both... Spirits especially is probably pretty good. I was actually going to lean into Disputation, since I've I've read her academic works. Oh, yeah, that's really good. Yeah, that's great. So you got your one light die, and your second light die, Devil's Bargains. Um, I actually kind of like the idea of no matter what, you're kind of stuck with her for a bit, right? She's caught in this plane, but like she's attuned to you in some way. But if others have offers, please offer them. I want to do something with that spider. I just want to think about it. <laughs> yeah, there is the whole matter for Ditha in the pit. <laughs> yep, yep, right, I yep. I want to engage with that. I just not, I'm not sure how yet. You're marked as a former cheat. Uh, yeah, I think it's inked in you. You've been a cheat. You survived whatever happened, but everyone knows. I think it's some kind of tattooed insignia on your arm. I mean, I think even the act of what you're doing could brand you a cheater, right? Yeah. Yeah. Devious, deceptive, at any rate. No matter what, the spider underneath the floor breaks through the floor with a Ditha writing on the back. I was hoping you were going to do that. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. That, That's great, too. Lots of great choices. What do you think? Spider rider or attach herself, I feel like. May I point out that we already have a a person with with a ghost... Yeah, <laughs> that's a good negotiation tactic. We've we've already got an angry ghost. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I like that one because of the uh, potential for role playing, but that's also still on the table as a fail, right? So, Jason, you can always pull that one back. Oh yeah, yeah. Or as a complication, I can always throw it in as a complication too. Aditha is somehow trying to ride this giant spider. I think it's great. Two light. Uh, you have to do a dark because of the ritual. So roll risk two one. Excellent. Hey, six light. Uh, you succeed. Describe it. I reach out my hand and Beatrix smugly and self-confidently takes it 
And as she does so, I take my left hand with the gauntlet on it and step forward and slash across her incorporeal form. Not cutting her, but severing those ties that attach her to her material existence. Yeah, the silver cord. Yeah. She's already kind of pale, but like the color leaves her face even more and her her mouth sort of like falls agape a little bit. You really thought I was playing rooks? No, I see now that I misunderestimated you. Well, well played. Well played indeed. And she is kind of bawling her fists up. And you can tell she's getting ready to do some sorcery of her own. But before it gets to that, Editha's husband is still staggering about with the mask yelling curses at Aditha, happy that he sent her, or was at least connected to her being tossed to her doom, when this enormous crystal spider rises up out of the hole that she was dropped down. The spider has beautiful, thin crystal forelimbs and legs. The carapace is like a beautiful hollowed-out glass carapace with a strange glowing blue smoke inside of it and Aditha is clinging on to the back of this thing it rises up it sinks its razor glass forelimbs into her husband and he like cries out even though he's just an apparition anyway but he believes it he cries out and it just pulls him toward the hole get frozen <laughs> just let it go and make a decision i knew i, I bit my <laughs> tongue right i bit <laughs> my tongue he's aiming for the stingers early one second zach spilled his beer i didn't it was gravity's <laughs> fault damn it i'm We're, sorry it's fine it's happy i'm all thumbs tonight gentlemen i apologize <laughs> happens to the yeah, best of us that's what editing's for. <laughs> yeah. Oh, bye, Zach. You sound great. This is why. This is why we don't. The Twitch thing freaks me out. <laughs> yeah. I'm surprising. I'm like much more chill doing this than I am when I'm just running a regular YouTube game because those don't get edited at all. <laughs> so right. I, Lord have mercy. Yeah. You're like, I, oh, I can say I want say them anything. to sound like I want to be. I want. I want to be as on point as I can be all the time. So. Yeah. Exactly. Like I, I stick a title card on those and then post them up. There's nothing else happens to them. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. That's that's so scary to me. I'm like, nope. I could just make some stupid joke and people are like, well, I'll never listen to this again. <laughs> <laughs> wow. They just don't shut up about Men in Black. Wow. <laughs> that, yeah, that's really what I'm worried about. <laughs> yeah. They're gonna be like, wow, guys, the Men in Black jokes and or references are very. Yeah, high. We're gonna find out that I've only seen like two movies. <laughs> two movies and Jackie Chan. Adventures. Jesus. <laughs> yes. Don't don't God. get me started. <laughs> I know. Yeah. We, our diatribe count is up to like fourteen. Um, 
All right. All right. All right, so I'm going to take your idea and poetify it again. Sorry. Oh, a heart beats and then the and then the, the bridge collapses. Absolutely. And honey. Absolutely not. Lord Dion is not a character. <laughs> Lord, Lord Dion is my is my MA degree. Uh, um, 